Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanya. That's Creole for something extra. It's undeniable. Poetry is having a moment. So we're revisiting one of our favorite conversations about the craft from back in 2019. Many attribute the growing popularity to social media, poetry outreach efforts, and visibility from superstars like Beyonce, who read poems by Warsan Shire on her visual album, Lemonade. So what is it about the art of putting motion to measure that is striking a chord these days to gain insight into the current landscape of poetry and in celebration of National Poetry Month, I sat down with two lyrical extraordinaires, Kwame Alexander, Newberry medal-winning author, poet, and publisher. He is the author of 36 books, including The Undefeated. And Rose Hansen, at the time, sophomore at Norwell High School and the 2019 Massachusetts State Poetry Out Loud competition champion. Kwame, I'm starting with you because we are celebrating the occasion of your new book, The Undefeated. What's it all about? Well, it's a love letter to America. It's a love letter to black America. It's a book about the challenges, the woes, the journey of black people in this country. I wrote it in 2008 because Obama was elected and my daughter, my second daughter, was born. And I realized she was being born into this world where the only president she would know was a black man. <laughs> like, by default, that was her president. The only president. And I thought that was kind of cool, but I, I wanted her to know the journey, how we got there. How we waded in the water. How we got over. How we crossed the River Jordan and came to this place, this magical, important, necessary, historic moment. So that's where it started, and it sort of culminated eight years later when I got a call from a friend at ESPN. He was creating a website called TheUndefeated.com, which was going to explore the intersection of race, culture, and sports. And he said, we want a poem to launch the site. And I pulled out that poem I'd written for my daughter and sort of retooled it, and it became the basis for this book, The Undefeated. Well, so this is the third iteration of it, and I noticed in the book there are some, some changes from uh, when you did it for the Undefeated publication. Um, why did you make those slight changes? I'm always interested in why poets change words. Right. <laughs> you know, the goal is to make words dance on the page. I like to tell people all the time, poetry is this art form that has rules. <laughs> like, you got to use the right ingredients. There has to be figurative language. Like... And it has to be concise. You want to say a whole lot in very few words. It has to be original. And so how do you get to that place? And it's very rarely you can accomplish it on the first draft, that first time. So that process of rewriting, of revision, of really making sure the words are hitting all the emotional notes you want it to hit, that's important. And, and so that's what I did when... when when I got the call from ESPN, I said, I got to go back and rework this this poem and, and add some stuff and take away some stuff. I asked this third grader once, what's his definition of poetry? And his answer was, 
all the right words in the right order. <laughs> well, that's pretty. I was going to ask you, what is your definition of poetry? That's mine. I take it. Okay. I'm borrowing it. <laughs> okay. Because, you know, a, a lot of people hear poetry and they're still stuck at the point where we were, many of us in school, where we had, there was a limited form and there seemed to be one form. Sure. And if you didn't get into that, well, that wasn't poetry. And so it turned off some people. And now, as we've said, there's a doubling of interest in poetry. People are coming to it in every kind of way. Tracy, C.K. Smith, a poet laureate, has a podcast, a five-minute podcast every right. day with poetry in it. There are people checking poetry on their phones, right. up 40% from five years ago when there was just a few people doing that. Wow, you got the data on it. Yes. <laughs> I'm stealing that, too. Okay. Poetry, up 40%. You heard on, this from Callie and Kwame. Yes. <laughs> I so, think, well, I think here's the thing. Sometimes the world is not so beautiful. We live in a moment right now in this country where there's a lot of confusion and chaos. How do we become more connected? How do we become more human? How do we sort of embrace what's possible? How do we imagine a better world? I posit it's books, it's literature, it's language that can help us sort of become more connected to each other, especially poetry. Poetry has this capacity to sort of take these emotionally weighty things and give them this emotional immediacy this, this voice that, that allows us to feel better, that allows us to feel more comfortable. I think poetry is like a winter coat in the wintertime. Mm. And Lord knows we need a lot of that right now. Yes, we need we that do. comfort. Yes, we do. Well, one of the reasons that uh, poetry is being embraced by especially young people, um, and by the way, that's my guest, Kwame Alexander, the author of The Undefeated, latest of his 32 books that he has written. So, Rose, one of the reasons that poetry is on an uptick is because of folks like you taking an interest in it, but also because of your participation in this wonderful competition called the Poetry Out Loud competition. Tell us about it. Yeah, Poetry Out Loud is a wonderful program that I have been involved with since I started high school. And even before that, I was looking up to the kids into it. So basically, it's a spoken word competition, and each school can participate in it. And you pick two poems from Poetry Out Loud's huge anthology of hundreds of poems online. And you memorize those two poems, and you recite them for your school. And if you win that competition, you can move through a subsequent series of rounds until you get your state level. And there, you recite your two poems, and if you're lucky enough, your third poem and the winner from that competition moves on to the nationwide competition from all 50 states plus um, these Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico and D.C. So it's just this amazing celebration of all things about poetry and especially the power of spoken poetry. So since you select your own poetry, one of the ones that you selected was by James Weldon Johnson called Art Versus Trade. Give us a sample. Okay, okay. <laughs> Art Versus Trade by James Weldon Johnson. Trade. Trade versus art. Brain. Brain versus heart. Oh, the earthiness of these hard-hearted times, when clinking dollars and jingling dimes drown all the finer music of the soul. Life as an octopus, with but this creed, that all the world was made to serve his greed. Trade has spread out his mighty myriad claw and drawn into his foul, polluted maw the brightest and the best. Well, nigh has he drained dry the sacred fount of truth. 
And if, forsooth, he has left yet some struggling streams from it to go, he has contaminated so their flow that truth, scarce is it true. Poor art, with struggling gasp, lies strangled, dying in his mighty grasp. He locks his grimy fingers bout her snowy throat so tender. Is there no power to rescue her, protect, defend her? Shall art be left to perish? Shall all the images her shrines cherish be left to this iconoclast, to vulgar trade? Oh, that mankind had less of brain and more of heart. Oh, that the world had less of trade and more of art. Then would there be less grinding down the poor. Then would men learn to love each other more. For trade stalks like a giant through the land, bearing aloft the rich in his high hand, while down beneath his mighty ponderous tread he crushes those who cry for daily bread. That's my guest, Rose Hansen. She is the state champion in the Poetry Out Loud competition. Wow. That was great, huh? Powerful. (laughs) Yeah. So what drew you to poetry? Because, you know, for a while, the rap on on kids your age is, eh, poetry, we don't really, we don't dig it. (laughs) Yeah. So I've been really incredibly lucky in my life that I've had amazing adults who've surrounded me with their love of poetry. My dad actually would read me poetry like bedtime stories from Shel Silverstein's books of kind of silly poems that kind of had deeper meanings. And then my uh, grandmother was actually an English teacher by profession, so she kind of inspired a love of words and literature in me. But I think I've also been lucky to take, have a school system that's really emphasized the power of poetry and things like that. So I think a natural love combined with amazing adults in my life who've kind of showed me the joy that poetry can have. And like you were saying earlier, I think that a lot of schools introduce poetry in a way that's very, very basic, very black and white. This is poetry, this isn't. But I've been lucky enough to have the experience with teachers who've kind of encouraged all kinds of things as poetry and shown us all different facets of this amazing art. So... So what did you like about The Undefeated? Because I know you've read it. (laughs) (laughs) I certainly have. I loved The Undefeated because I thought it coupled amazing words that were so accessible to everyone with these incredibly complex and weighted ideas that have so much meaning to so many people. I mean, and I loved how it kind of drew in parts of all throughout American history of all the struggles of these people who have been kind of overlooked and things like that, starting all the way back in the 1700s and moving all the way up to today. I, I really loved how all-encompassing it was. I agree. I'm fan I'll, I'll take that review. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fan-womaning over here, Kwame Alexander. Um, why don't you pick a piece of Undefeated and give us a little sample of it? It's one poem, and then I, there's something special about the way that it's presented in this book. By the way, the illustrations by Kadir Nelson are fabulous, mm-hmm. really powerful. So give us a sample. This is for the unforgettable, the swift and sweet ones who hurdled history and opened a world of possible the ones who survived America by any means necessary, and the ones who didn't. This is for the undeniable, the ones who scored with chains on one hand and faith in the other. This is for the unflappable, 
these sophisticated ones who box adversity and tackle vision, who shine their light for the world to see and don't stop till the break of dawn. This is for the unafraid, the audacious ones who carried the red, white, and weary blues on the battlefield to save an imperfect union, who sang, we shall not be moved because black lives matter. Wow, I love it. That's Kwame Alexander reading from his new book of poetry, The Undefeated. One of the things that I love about the presentation of this work is that you don't know or you don't say on the page who the people are until the poem is over. You get to the end, you turn the page, and there's a rich glossary of, with a great amount of detail about who they are. And, you know, I didn't realize that until I read a review of the book mm. because I recognize the people. Right. So in my mind, I had already identified them as I went along, and then, then she noted that they weren't identified. And I said, oh, right. Why, why did you decide to do that? For those of us who weren't familiar, mm-hmm. you know, who haven't been, been taught the wholeness of American history. I didn't want to give the names. I didn't feel like it was necessary, but because I felt like everybody should know this. But that's why I did the book, so that we could know the struggles, so that we could know, more importantly, the overcoming of the struggles. Langston Hughes has his poem called, I'm Still Here. And we are. And so let's pay tribute to these heroes and heroines and extraordinary and ordinary people who survived, but not only survived, but thrived. And so, yeah, we wanted to put the names and share their stories in the afterward. Because also this is a teaching tool. And so teachers can bring this book into their classroom and be able to begin to have Black History Month 365 days a year. In addition to the history, there's, of course, a teaching about the writing. You have a whole bunch of unwords that are very interesting in this book. Unstoppable, undeniable. This is craft, and people need to understand that you just didn't wake up one morning and they all (laughs) came to you. You know, you you thought very carefully about where you place these. (laughs) Yeah, and I kept a dictionary and a thesaurus beside me the entire time. So, yeah, Yeah. I mean, it was tricky. I mean, it's one poem. You know, it's maybe 200 words. But it certainly, it took eight years to get it right. (laughs) Because it's important. Again, poetry is about not just placing words together that sound and look good. It's about placing the right words. And that's the challenge. I'm curious about, uh, from both of you, who, uh, by the way, Rose is writing poetry. She's not <laughs> absolutely ready to share, but she's starting oh. to write some. Y'all what? She's not sharing? <laughs> did, you bring, you, did you bring something? Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Uh-oh. Well, give us a little bit of that. It's about to go down. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's about to go down. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right, Kwame Alexander wants to hear. <laughs> What's it called? It's called When Poetry Speaks. To breathe life into a poem requires a delicate kind of magic. But when it happens, and happens correctly, a peculiar sensation envelops you. The feeling sprouts in your belly, each spark of light sending chills through your body as it dances down your spine, charging, charging creeping to your chest as your time approaches, forcing each breath faster, faster, 
nerves become knots no sailor could untie. The journey to the microphone stretches infinitely in all directions. Space and time have warped as you come to the crossroads of the past, the present, the forever. This sensation races through your bloodstream, infusing every cell with electricity that whispers and snaps and crackles. Speak. Speak. For one fleeting moment, you walk on a tightrope above the stage, balancing with one tiptoe on the top of an adventure. Then all at once you are back in your own body. The sparks of light that began in your belly build behind your eyes, threatening to discharge as one brilliant bolt of lightning. Instead, they rush out of your mouth as words, each syllable sizzling on your tongue and the minds of all who listen. And pulsing through your veins is the power. It tingles in your fingers as if the light within you is beaming out of your palms. But there is a moment when the coaster freezes at the top of its track before gravity pulls it back down to the earth as you too soon must descend from the sky. You wonder... How can words have the power to connect an audience to a person, a person to a poet, a soul to itself? Perhaps you will never know. But when it happens, and happens correctly, each spark of light buoys your soul. As all the world attends with bated breath your final utterance, you take flight. Very good. Thank you. I'm Callie Crossley, and you are listening to Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. We're revisiting our conversation with award-winning poet Kwame Alexander and 2019 Massachusetts Poetry Out Loud champion Rose Hansen. You've always talked about the power of books and poetry for kids. Um, and your new, this, by the way, we should say that The Undefeated is a part of a new imprint that you have, you are curating. It's called Versify, which literally means turn something into verse. <laughs> and uh, this is for Houghton Mifflin Harcourt books for young people. Just want to get that out. That's right. How have you seen that happen? How have you seen poetry be so powerful in the lives of young people? Well, if you think about it like this, poetry on the page has a lot of white space. So on one level, you got a kid who isn't necessarily that engaged or interested in reading. Because of the conciseness of verse, because of all the white space, it's not that intimidating. And you can sort of see yourself getting through a chapter or a page as opposed to seeing traditional prose. And so it has that. That's like a trick, which, hey, whatever works to get kids excited. The other piece of it is that white space on the page is for the readers to take their spiritual journey. Mm. The words that aren't there are almost as important as the words that are there. So like when you we were listening to Rose, like I was listening to each word and and she was taking me. Talk about flight. I was soaring. But those pauses, those breaths, those spaces in between the words, were so telling. And I think that's encouraging something that's critical 
that's encouraging thinking and imagination. I think poetry has the capacity again to help us become more human. I think because it can deal with things that are big and and weighty and 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 meaningful and significant, but it can do it in a way where we can get through it, we can digest it. And I think when used properly, it, it's transformative. Hey, look, Callie, I wrote a poem a day for this woman I met on a bus. Wow. That's 365 poems. <laughs> I didn't have any money. I had no car at the time. This was like 20 years ago. Why y'all looking at me like that? Because it's funny. I'm glad, this ain't no, I'm glad we're not on television. <laughs> I'm impressed, though. <laughs> I wrote her a poem every day for... For one year. That was the way I courted her. And she married me. Yeah, right. You talk about making a lifelong commitment. <laughs> like, I wasn't the coolest dude. <laughs> and I didn't have a whole lot, but I had poetry. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Mm-hmm. I think about all the kids who have read The Crossover. Mm. Or some of the... Uh, the Your big book sold written. more than 500,000 copies. Yeah, Newberry Meadow, about it. Twin Brothers, you got and data. basketball. I'm start calling this the data <laughs> with Callie <laughs> and Rose. <laughs> no, I think the reason why a lot of these kids who hadn't read books before, why they got engaged with that book, with that text, is because it was accessible. It was still meaningful. It was still literary but it was accessible. And I think poetry can be the bridge to allow young people to cross over into an appreciation of language and literature. I agree with you. And I think as as evidence, we've seen where it can take you with our dear Rose. (laughs) Wow. Right? That's where we're trying to get. That's where we want our students to be. And she's a sophomore. Imagine when she's a senior. I know, exactly. Come see me when you write your book. Versify is, is here. <laughs> Something I, I think is so interesting about your background is that you were taught by Nikki Giovanni, right. the esteemed poet. In her class, you made a C. <laughs> so you can go on and improve, is sure, the point. <laughs> sure, Correction, I made three Cs. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But okay. if you ask her today, she will tell you she never gave me a C. <laughs> but she did. And I think, I, I guess she tells me if she did give me a C, she said it's because I needed it. <laughs> Well, I just, I, I just, obviously, she did her job because your your work is so fine and it is accessible. That's the power of it for me. Um, it really draws you in. I, I, I wanted to ask you something that my one of my favorite poets, Lucille Clifton, I, uh, I feel uh, feel about her as if she is mine. She said, "Poetry <laughs> and art are not about the answers to me; they're about the questions." And I wondered if you agreed with that. I definitely think mm-hmm. that's the power of poetry mm-hmm. because I think there's, like. Mr. Alexander brought up that point. The point of poetry isn't in what's said; it's what is is, in, is unsaid, and that's to me the power of poetry because it puts a question in your mind, but it doesn't give you the answer. It's not it's not there to make life easy. It's there to make life life. So it makes you question and think and think hard about things that maybe you wouldn't ordinarily think about. Like my favorite kinds of poems sometimes are the ones that take something so simple. Um, like there, there's a Charles Lamb poem about a fly and somebody kills a fly and the other person says to them, well, why, why did you have the ability to kill that fly? That life wasn't yours to take. And I love it when it takes such simple things about life and just poses it in a new light. It makes the familiar strange. And that's what I love about poetry. Answering questions, is that poetry to you, Kwame? 
<laughs> yeah, and just to make a connection, I grew up reading Lucille Clifton's children's books. Oh, wow. When I was three years old, my parents bought me Lucille Clifton's Everett Anderson series. Mm. So absolutely poetry is about asking the questions. I think the, the poets ask the questions and the scientists answer them. <laughs> yeah, that's the short of it. I think Rose, Rose answered it pretty well. Out. <laughs> All right, last question of the two of you. What to say to people to get them enthused and embracing National Poetry Month? What would you say, Rose? I would say get out there and try because <laughs> poetry is... It's so it's so funny sometimes because you can see a poem and you can just like not like it and for some kids that turns them off from poetry forever. But if you just go out there and try one more time, try another poem. Maybe you didn't like that style. Try something else. You, there's something for everyone um, across all poetry. So I would say go out there and try try writing a verse. I mean, <laughs> I my I try writing verses all the time. Sometimes it just comes to you, but sometimes they're terrible. <laughs> Write something terrible. Like it's okay. Read a poem you don't like. It doesn't mean poetry isn't for you so just don't give up on it i'd say all right and kwame alexander callie that's a that's a broad question who are the people <laughs> any anybody who might say uh, i don't know well you know it's you know i often hear people say you know what i can read a novel i can read articles for right. poetry and eh. okay <laughs> so you're talking about like adults yes okay <laughs> all right if there's if there was an adult and we're trying to get them engaged with poetry mm -hmm. i wouldn't tell them anything <laughs> i wouldn't tell them a thing Let's say it was you, Callie. No, but I'm interested. But go ahead. All right. Let's just say for the purposes okay. of this conversation okay. on Under the Radar. Okay. Callie, lips like yours ought to be worshipped. See, I ain't never been too religious, but you can baptize me anytime. <laughs> See? See how engaged you got? Yes, I got engaged. Read poetry. Okay. Share poetry. That's the way you get people engaged with it. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you both for joining me. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Kwame Alexander, Newbery Medal winning author, poet, and publisher. He is the author of 36 books, including The Undefeated. And Rose Hansen, sophomore at the time at Norwell High School and the 2019 Massachusetts State Poetry Out Loud competition champion. That's it for this week's edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Listen to us online at GBH News or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date with our programming. Under the Radar with Callie Crossley is a production of GBH, produced by Hannah Ubelie and engineered by Dave Goodman. Our intern is Vanessa Handy. Our theme music is Fish and Chips by We Are Two Saxies, Grace Kelly and Leo P. Listen again on Thursday and see you here at 6 p.m. next Sunday for a new episode. I'm Callie Crossley. Thanks for listening.